A tragic truth in our culture today is that substance abuse among teen boys is on the rise. How do we respond when our sons are exposed to that kind of temptation? I'm John Fuller, along with our Vice President of Parenting, Dr. Danny Huerta. And Danny, um, I'm assuming that you're seeing more and more substance abuse uh, in your counseling practice compared to previous years. That's correct. John, marijuana, the legalization of marijuana has created a uh, really an epidemic we don't talk about. And uh, for families and parents, along with fentanyl now that has been uh, added to many other street drugs that are out there that kids want to consume or think are cool, like uh, uh, Ritalin that is illegally uh, given or Xanax, the reality is that we have a crisis on our hands with our teen boys and our young adult boys uh, that we need to pay attention to. In fact, uh, in the last couple of years, deaths just from fentanyl alone uh, are, are the number one cause of death for, for adults 18 to 45, mm. beyond anything else, even car accidents. We have to pay attention to that. Where did that begin before 18? And with our teen boys, it has begun with them trying to enhance themselves, possibly in sports, or escape certain pressures or things, or try to trying to be cool with their friends. We just need to pay attention to what's going on with this issue, and it begins with something uh, that currently is legal in many places, and that's marijuana. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hear a little bit more of that uh, right now from Jonathan McKee who uh, has some great insights about teen boys in today's culture and some of the pressures they're facing. Here's Jonathan with Jim Daly. Jonathan, a big issue in the culture right now is opioid addiction, drug addiction. Of course, we're sitting here in Colorado, a state that one of the first states that legalized recreational marijuana use uh, for anybody 21 or older. But teens get their hands on it, and there seems to be a passivity about it. Speak to the issue of substance abuse. That's one of the four you you Mm. mentioned in the book. Uh, Probably the most prevalent for teens would be alcohol and marijuana. Mm. But parents need, Christian parents particularly, need to be aware but all parents need to be aware of what their teen boys could get into. Yeah, I, I think this is tough for uh, Christian parents. And I think um, as I look back at my own parenting, too, um, I didn't have a lot of conversations about drugs with my kids. I think I just assumed, you know, you won't that do they, it. they just know that, you know, drugs are you know bad and you wouldn't do that. And, and, and I think in a lot of Christian homes, the drug conversations are, well, you know not to do that, right? You don't want to be a pothead, right? Okay, well, there we go. Then it's settled, you know? Kind of like the sex talk. Yeah, as I was say, it was about <laughs> as quick as the sex done. talk, you know? You know not to do the bad thing? All right, there you go. You know, and it's one of those things where we got to realize in our culture, um, a recent study showed that only 26% of 12th graders think regular marijuana use offers any risk of harm. Only 26%. So three quarters of you know high, guys graduating from high school think marijuana is no big deal. And you know what? If you listen to the music they're listening to and watch the shows they're watching, uh, man, I tell you, you know, you listen to like Post Malone or any of the guys that are like in the, you know, in the top of the charts right now, it's all about smoking this and, you know, having fun and who cares. And of course, then to all of a sudden, you know, turn on the news and see that, hey, this is legalized. This is such great, you know, medicinal value and, and this... And so young people, that's the arguments they go to, not to mention that that device in their pocket, you know, has perfect access to tons of ignorant articles saying, hey, this is right. no big deal. It's fine. So that's why when I talk with young people about this, 
I don't even navigate the arguments of should it be legalized? Should we use it for medicinal you know, purposes? I don't even go there. I simply talk about one simple fact, and that is that even pro-pot advocates know that there is huge risk for a young person with a developing brain using marijuana. So when it comes to talking about marijuana, I talk about the developing brain. You know, I don't get into the argument about legalization. Mm-hmm. I, I simply say, hey, do you know that your brain is still developing until age 25? And here's what the brain experts are saying. It, and you, when you unveil that research is what I do a little bit. I just kind of show them and then tell them stories because when you use marijuana as a young person, man, the risk factors are huge. I, I want to jump to a story that kind of illustrates this. I think it was your friend Mike who went through 10 years of pot use, but he came to a different conclusion than some. And I think the right conclusion. What happened? Yeah, you know, and it's funny. I uh, I work with young people right now. I volunteer on a campus, on a middle school campus helping out. And I brought my friend Mike out to talk with him. And it's funny because he's so blunt. I think parents at first would be like, because oh, first thing he said, he said, yeah, let me tell you something. If you guys try weed, you're going to love it. That's like the first thing oh. he said. And I'm like, whoa, easy. Those breaks here, Mike. He goes, and let me tell you something. He goes, you're going to love it for about a minute. You know, he goes, the only problem with this, you never think about what comes next. And he just unveiled talking about his life. And he talked about how he thought it was no big deal, you know, and oh, it's fine, you know. And he went through all the excuses that everybody unrolls. Oh, well, you can't overdose. And it's funny. I mean, you look at Christian literal periodicals in in the comment section, you'll see people saying, hey, why don't you name a list of the people who've overdosed on marijuana? You can't find it because you can't overdose. So all of a sudden it's an excuse to use it. And he went through every one of those and he said, I heard all those excuses. He goes, but let me tell you something. You know, it's not addictive. I heard those excuses. He goes, but for some reason, every day I wanted to get up and smoke that bowl. And he says, I'll tell you something. He goes, it just changed my life. And he talked about how mm-hmm. he started lying to his parents and how all of a sudden it became more important than than jobs and everything. And for him, you know, it was like, oh, I can't get that job because they drug test and everything. And it was one of those things that just literally wrecked his life. And it came to a culmination where one night he was just miserable. And he said, he goes, I was just sitting there crying in my bed. And, and as I asked him, I, I still to this day, I, I remember I was eating lunch with him and I asked him, I said, why? And he just teared up and he goes, because I just hated myself. He goes, I just hated what I'd become. He said, so I went in, he goes, it was 2 a.m. I woke up my mom and dad and I said, hey, you know what? He says, you need to send me to rehab. And in the morning when I wake up, I'm going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm going to tell you, oh, it's no big deal. Forget about it. Whatever he goes. And don't listen to me. No matter what I say, Mm -hmm. you need to help me. I need your help. And that's what he did. He went and he got help. And now he's a, a coach. He's making a difference in young people's lives. And he talks about this. He says, guess what, guys? Don't believe the lie. This is one of those big deals. Yeah. Jonathan, as we leave, there is that one burning question uh, of the parents who feel they're losing hope for their son, Mm. that maybe, you know, they just weren't aware, they weren't connected or whatever reason, not to apply guilt to the situation, but their sons outmaneuvered them and they made poor decisions. And maybe that parent feels like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't feel hope. How do I get engaged again in my son's life? What recommendation do you have? Where do you start? Well, the key is 
in the words that you chose in that question, how do I get engaged in my son's life? I think our tendency is to panic, to overreact, and to slap on all the rules. And really what's really important is the relationship. And you know me, I'm not saying no rules, but sometimes our tendency is to just be so focused on the rules that we forget the relationship. And the key thing is to find ways to get into our kids' world, spend time with them. Maybe that means sitting down, playing video games with them, you know, doing what they like to do and hang out with them and look for those opportunities to just enter their world, love on them and engage in meaningful conversation about the stuff that matters. The more we invest in them, then they're gonna navigate some of these conversations with you. And that's where values are passed on. That is good. Danny, many parents uh, have a child uh, who is right where Jonathan's friend Mike was. Um, Speak some encouragement to that mom or dad. Uh, How have you seen, because you've worked with a lot of families, a lot of kids, how have you seen God heal a relationship um, and an individual, frankly, hurt by drug addiction. What's been interesting is, is watching that balance that is so tricky for a parent from love, uh, sensitivity, grace, forgiveness, and then boundaries, limits, guidance in a, in, in, with poor decision-making. That is so tricky. And so, but what I've seen is when a parent knows that they are on a journey that they need to be in with their child, uh, and they're praying for them and showing that that warmth, yet they're saying, hey, if you continue to do this, you can't live in our home, or you lose the privilege of driving a car. There are a variety of things that are just natural consequences that parents need to put in place as they have the opportunity to do so. If they have a 16, 17-year-old, even an adult child that may be living with them, that's, that's healthy parenting, doing both with understanding and love, not not demeaning the child or or your adult child in any way, but saying, hey, is this really what you want for life? What are you running from? I care so deeply for you, and I can't be a part of your Mm self-destruction. I want to be here for your building. That's what I, from the beginning, that's what I've wanted, is to build something in you. And as you self-destruct, I have to step away and let you do that on your own. And when you're ready to pick the pieces back up, I'm right here. And I love you, and let's do it. Whatever mm. we need to do to build it back up, we, we do it. Showing that reassurance, but with boundaries, is important. Yeah. Well, if you need help, please know Focus on the Family is here for you. Uh, we have a team of counselors. They are a phone call away. They, they will listen to you. They'll pray with you. They'll point you to resources. Uh, set up a free consultation today when you call 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family, 800-232-6459. And uh, get a copy of Jonathan's book, The Guy's Guide to Four Battles Every Young Man Must Face. We're making that available to you for a monthly pledge or a one-time gift of any amount to the Ministry of Focus on the Family. Partner with us. Help us uh, provide these kinds of podcasts and resources for parents and know that your support will be used uh, to literally impact parents around the world. We'll link over to our counseling services and the guy's guide to four battles every young man must face in the show notes. Just stop by there for the links. Next time, we'll hear from Sheila Irwin. She'll be discussing miraculous ways that she's seen God provide for her sons. Uh, On behalf of Danny and the entire team, thanks for joining us today. I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.